Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, the following program, not program, program, is produced by Magic Man Allen of the Outlaw Radio Network. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Frank C. Gerardo Jr. is in Washington, D.C., stunned, selling a bus, I believe. And we have Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. Uh, ever wanted to rob a bank? Ever crossed your mind to rob a bank? You know, you see these bank robbery movies and, you know, Babyface Nelson uh, come crashing into the bank, guns blazing. Everybody get down on the ground. Do this, do that. And they go and, you know, they, the tellers are peeing their pantyhose and... There must be a more effective way to rob a bank, and I can't think of anyone better to ask than our resident reformed criminal, well-known diamond thief, world's greatest safe cracker. Not that he likes being called a cracker, mind you. That would be Punch. Punch. Yes, hi, bro. How are you? Better and better. I, kn- I know you only robbed two banks, one of them twice, to make sure you did it right. One of the one I find fascinating three is three, the... Three banks. Three banks. Oh, excuse me. But uh, the one where even the tellers didn't know the bank was being robbed because you came out of the broom closet over the Hollywood. That's the one I want to hear about. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's not a really good one, but I'll, I'll, I can, I can, I can, oh, I can good. tell the story. Yeah, tell the one. That I'm the only one. I'm probably the only one that could uh, tell the story. You know, tell the story. This is the one where the cop is sitting in front of the bank eating donuts, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> okay. And we needed. Yeah. So, so well, t- what happened is uh, this was around, I believe, uh, early 90s, probably yeah. like 92. Um, I had a new squad of guys that were working for Home Security. Mm. Uh, this was the actual company that was protecting the bank. Oh, good job. <laughs> yeah. So. I had these two guys that uh, that felt they they filled the position of being a, a armed bank robber, mm-hmm. and I put them in in uh, in two uniforms, one each. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I sent them uh, inside to uh, to get all the money out of the bank <laughs> because we had some inside information, and uh, none of the guns were supposed to have any bullets in the chamber. You know, uh, one was a revolver, uh, and I clearly remember that, you know, there was like maybe only three bullets in the gun. Uh, it was a, a five-pistol uh, revolver, so two were taken out, and uh, the first two. So, and also an automatic, which belonged to me, and I made sure that there was no uh, bullet in the chamber. Um, but yeah, there was something in the clip. So I didn't see where the guy cocked it back or, you know, rechecked it or anything like that because uh, the guys that they entered, they entered the limousine that I had, and uh, that was going to be the exit point for them to uh, go to the bank with the keys in hand and a clipboard because they were going... <laughs> you could get it anywhere with a clipboard. <laughs> well, yeah, they had a clipboard. They have, they have a clipboard. It's a response. They were coming in there for a response, a robbery response. So they had a walkie-talkie, a clipboard, and, and their guns. 
you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, the paperwork that, that, that comes with the response. And uh, they show that to the, you know, to the bank uh, manager. They, uh, they use the keys to get in. And, uh, but while this was happening, there was uh, a teller that was in the bathroom mm. during this time. And I'm sure that she got nervous uh, because she was uh, part of this whole entire operation. Oh, she was your inside and woman. Yeah, yeah. She was basically the the lady that told us exactly when that certain amount of cash was supposed to be there at a certain time, and uh, we made our move. Um, so this is the second time that we did this uh, bank. Um, but this, uh, you know, I, I didn't go inside, and I used these uh, these two younger gentlemen to do their job. But uh, they uh, they dropped the ball because the lady came out the bathroom and startled uh, the kid that had the gun and uh, shot her in the stomach. Ouch! Yeah. So this created a, an entire scene on the street visually for the people that were looking inside of the bank the whole street stopped this was a busy street this was Dykeman Street yeah. uh, up in Manhattan and uh, there was like 30 people are looking inside the bank they're watching what's you know they're, they're witnessing what's going on and they, they you know I mean <laughs> all I know is that it wasn't a good situation no it doesn't sound good at all you know uh, but <laughs> You know the guy, uh, the other, the other guy that was working. He was, he got the money, and uh, they got out of there. It was a, it was a successful heist as far as getting the money, not getting caught. But this, uh, the teller, she was in the hospital with a with a bullet hole in her stomach, which is so unfortunate because you know anybody that's familiar with the story knows how. Uh, how strict my uh, my father was with uh, not you know no one ever getting hurt, especially you know uh, no bystanders yeah. anything like that. Yeah, you know. So that, that's why when we don't we don't go in to hurt people, we just put on a show. And uh, no, we don't tie people up. That's not what we do. You know, if you're tying somebody up, you're hurting them already because people you know just some people can't get tied up, and and that's you're forcing them, you're forcing them to, uh, what are you going to do next, rape them? I mean, yeah. <laughs> tying up who? Why, why do you have to tie up people? I, I, I hear these stories all the time that uh, armed robbers go into a place and they tie up everybody, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, I never I never had to tie up anybody in my life, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I mean, I was, you so, go to a dominatrix and if you're worried about being tied up, you know, for the first time, well, they'll, they'll show you the ropes. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a true professional... Uh, the gun that you have in your hand mm-hmm. or the, the weapon that's controlling the crowd, you know, you're using that to intimidate the crowd and to force them to your submission, you know, to get them into a corner with their heads down, hands on top of their heads, and uh, to be quiet. Uh, uh, no one's going to make a move if you have that type of force over them, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially if you come in right, the way we used to do things. Uh, but these guys, now remember, these guys came in as security guards. So nobody thought that they were coming there to rob a bank. They were coming there for a robbery. In response. progress, yeah. Meaning, yeah, in progress. Somebody pressed the robbery button, and they had that paper. They're coming in there to check everything. And that's how they got behind the uh, the registers. I mean, behind the... The teller's uh, booths. Behind the tellers, yeah. Because that's where the buttons are, and they had to check them. 
he marked them in the book. I mean, in that uh, in that paper. And uh, that's protocol. Like this happens uh, all the time. You know, uh, when there's that's why a lot of times when the alarm company goes off, um, you know, it's not necessarily that something is happening. You know, it, it's a response. That's all, and they have to respond to it. But that doesn't mean that there's a robbery or anything like that. Yeah, we had a fellow uh, on the show a few years ago that. Uh kind of a, a bank security guy, he was saying that when they press that button that they're being robbed, yeah. it goes to India. <laughs> You're was, joking. No. Outsourced? Yes, oh outsourced God. to India, and then uh, India calls the bank to verify that they're being robbed, and if it's verified, oh. then they send the message to the local police. Oh, my God. That's not going to ever work. <laughs> Hold on a second. Don't we have, is uh, Mark C.G. Pointer with us? Yeah, he's there. I'm right here, sir. Yeah, Three minutes. Okay. Three yeah. minutes. They're uh, in. They get yeah. cash. They are, they're gone. Yeah. Well, how many how many guys did you encounter with notes? Just coming in with a note. Oh, uh, my my favorite. Yeah. One of uh, one close, of, one close. customer walked in with a with a weapon with a gun. You know, everyone down went to each teller, got the cash. Don't trip the last the last bill, which is the trip bill. Oh wow! You know, there's a in the in the drawer where the cash right. is. There's one has a a little plunger, and then there's okay. a special bill that sits on top. And if it gets removed, and, that, and it's one, going as to long as the plunger is depressed, right. everything's fine. But when you pull okay. the bill, the plunger comes out, and the silent alarm goes off. He gets to the last oh, wow. teller, gets the cash, and she says anything else, and he says yes. Would you count it, please? And he hands her the bag with all the cash, she counts it, and he says, excellent, and hands her a deposit slip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making this crap up. (laughs) Hands her a deposit slip. She fills fills it out, deposits the cash, gives him the receipt, and he leaves. (laughs) That is astonishing. Oh, I, you know... I have countless stories of, of uh, individuals trying to rob someone. I don't have a clue. The, the one I, I was uh, thinking of, Punch, I mean, that's a good... Uh, yeah. The one I was thinking it's of is where... Uh, is that uh, instead of going into the front part of the bank where the tellers are, you yeah. go into the uh, office next door to the bank because you've got the vault is on the other side of the wall with got like an egg timer sort of thing on it. Yes, that's that's our first. That was my first job there, and that was so simple. It was just a door uh, separating me from the money drawer and everything else that was there. I did it. Uh, we did it. Uh, I did it with uh, my partner at that time. His name is Munchie, and Munchie was an actual uh, home security manager, <laughs> manager. Yes. And so the well, so way I want to paint this picture here. On one yeah. side of the wall, you've got the vault. You've got the bank manager. He's opening yeah. the vault. You're like in the broom closet or something. 
No, 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 I'm in the hallway. I'm in the hallway right before, in this hallway. This, it's an exit, the fire exit. Mm-hmm. I'm in the hallway, and I'm listening to the bank manager's egg timer go, go off. Yeah. As soon as the egg timer goes off, I know that he's going to turn the final dial, uh, you know, the final combination. He's going to open the, the safe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a vault. It was a safe. And inside the safe, there was, uh, it's always over $800,000. So it could be from 800000 up to a couple million dollars. But, uh, you know, uh, this is, this, what separates us is just a flimsy wooden door with, with not even a lock. There's no lock on it. it it's, a, it's a push door. And yeah. it's his exit for him to leave if, in case there's a fire. There's just a, another exit, and uh, this, was, this was our way in uh, to the bank. And it's on a different street. It's on a corner. And, and it, just, it just makes it very confusing for, for, for the authorities to even find this address, this side door, because there's a couple of other establishments like in the, that's separating the mm-hmm. bank and this door. So it's very hard to just, you know, pick it out. Like, you won't know that's the bank exit. You know, people, yeah. people just, you know, it's very hard to figure out that that's part of the bank because it's on a, it's on a totally different block, all right? Like, it's around the block. Yeah. Um, so this is our way in, and anytime I see a weak point in a, in a, in a bank or anything like that, um, you, know, my, uh, you know, my brain starts to think, and, and I see all these exits and entrances that we can utilize to rob them. And to alleviate them of all the cash that they have, basically. So that's what we were doing. Uh, but uh, the partner that I had, he had all this inside information um, because you would never find me in that area unless I was doing something, unless I was working, because, you know, that's not Manhattan. That's mm-hmm. upper uh, Manhattan, and it's very close to the Bronx. Um, so the neighborhood is not like, you know, it's not a prestigious neighborhood or anything like that. It's a hardworking, a working man's yeah. neighborhood. But we had. Uh, the teller, the one that got shot, was one of the ladies that were, were giving us information to uh, another gentleman that was with us. His name was Richie, and, and, and Richie was uh, Cuban Richie, and he was part of Muncie's crew and, and our crew, and, uh, and that's how we were getting this information. So luckily, luckily that she was in the hospital, um, you know, she was all right. She had a gut shot. It's very painful to get shot in the stomach. I don't know if anybody knows about, uh, you know, gunshots or, or, or something like that. But getting getting hit in the stomach is extremely painful, and you could die from it. Um, also, so she was in the hospital, and the feds came in. The feds came in because that's when they started the yaks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Yugoslavian, Albanian, uh, Croatian, Serbian crime group initiative. That's when they started it. And this is way before the Pink Panthers. Uh, as I'm saying, it's mid, I mean, early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. So the feds started interviewing all the, the people that worked in the bank. And they skipped. They only sent flowers to the, to the victim, to the one that got shot. <laughs> she was they the one that actually knew what was going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody got lie detector tests. And uh, she didn't have to take one because she was on medication, and they just passed her. Like, so I guess things happen for a reason. Murphy's Law, they say, you know, uh, it wasn't planned. But she did get a double cut of the portion of the cash. That was, that was nice. She got two. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, well, I mean, you know, that wasn't my doing. And that's when you're not in charge of things, then that's what happens. You know, like if you're not the one that's actually going in. And that's why I always used to go in. Whenever I did my heist, I was the one going inside, and I used to lead the crew. And that's why, when I when I when I talk about me being the expert, I'm not I'm not saying that in a, in a jokingly matter or anything like that. I'm being very serious. 
you know, I had a crew of guys, uh, and this is what I used to plan and what I did all day long. <laughs> like, this was my job, and I was the best at it. Now, when this, the one, I believe it's the one where you came into the, uh, into the where the safe was instead of coming in where the tellers were. So the tellers don't even right. know the bank's being robbed. So that's where the cop right. is, is sitting out front eating his donuts, and uh, <laughs> you you want to... No, no, no. Yeah. The, the, the cop that was eating his donut was for the second heist, which was when she got shot, you know. And uh, how'd you get rid of him? Got shot. Yeah. Well, I got out of the van real quick, and I, I went to a payphone, and I covered the payphone with my hand, and... Uh, possibly my glove or something, and I muscled in that a, a cop is getting beat up on 10 Hillside by a crackhead that they need to send the whole task force there because I think the crackhead got his gun, and they're shooting, and oh my God, and, and I made it pretty spectacular that the cop that was in front of the bank almost choked on his donut because uh, the way it came through the, um, through the speaker, because mm -hmm. we know we have a scanner, and we heard it, that... Uh, you know, this cop almost dropped his coffee, and he did a U-turn, and, and he jetted like full, you know, like full speed up the hill to where the address is that I provided them with. And as soon as this happened, as soon as I was walking back to the van, the the two guys in the limo, my security guys, you know, that were in the security outfit, right. the home security, they were going in because I gave them the signal, go, go, go. Soon as the cop left, and I was walking back to uh, the van that I was in. Uh, I immediately gave the signal for these guys to go in, and they went in, and that's what happened. But by accident, I told you. Yeah. He got shot because she startled him because she came out the bathroom, and he didn't even know there was a bathroom there. You know, basically, <laughs> he was like, he was right behind him, and it just scared the shit out of him because he didn't know who it was. Yeah. And that, that'll you happen. know what happened? Nerves. When people are involved with something like this, and if they're not a trained criminal. Right, like if you're, not, if you're not a trained magician, like don't do it. <laughs> you know? That's, that's yeah. Matt Allen's slogan. If you're not a trained magician, don't try magic. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what? People's nerves. Uh, this happened to me multiple times when I used people that weren't born into this, like I was. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I do this like I eat breakfast in the morning. To me, it's very easy. I don't get nervous at all. I get nervous speaking to you guys on the radio. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. But you know, but for me to take a gun and go inside a place like grass. And to grab a diamond and to get out, if I had an exit point, I would just like eating breakfast to me. It's the easiest thing in the world. And this is what I say training day in and day out. And not only that way, but there's many ways of stealing. So I uh, practiced many different ways of stealing and obtaining goods without hurting anybody. You know, it's always easy to hurt somebody. You know, that's, that's always easy when you use violence because, you know, but that's not what we did. We were almost invisible. You're almost invisible. Well, it's so much classier. I mean, any idiot can grab a yeah. gun, you know, yeah. but to, to have it be a victimless yeah. crime, no one's hurt, yeah. the people get yeah. robbed, make money from the insurance yeah. company. Yes, know? yes. Do what we did without hurting people, you know. Do, do that victimless crime, but on the level that we were doing, you know, we were in suits and ties, and we were stealing millions and millions and millions of dollars. You know, we weren't... We weren't going after the burglar guy, you know. Like you weren't doing uh, we home burglaries or anything like that. No, no, I would never do that. Oh my God, that's disgusting. That is, that is the lowest. That's 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 the lowest thing in the world. If you're stealing something that belongs to somebody else, you know, if it's not corporate, uh, just like my very good friend uh, Sean Sullivan, Lady Cake, New York, mm -hmm. which happens to be my partner. 
Great guy. Uh, says, you know, great guy. Uh, fantastic guy. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have partnered up with him if he, if he wasn't. But what I mean to say is that he said, uh, steal from Fortune 500 companies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't steal from the regular guy, man. You know, and uh, and even in our world, it doesn't matter. Like you're targeting somebody, don't target the poor people, man. You know, go after the people that have the money. If they steal, I'm not condoning uh, people to steal or anything like that. But I'm just saying that if you if they do, they should go after the money where it's insured. You know what amazes me is that uh, being is that if you bank anywhere. Let's say yeah. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan okay. Chase. Yes. Uh, every year or so, the, our wise federal government or some branch of it goes, you guys are criminals, and fines them yeah. billions of dollars. But it never, they're never fined as much as they made. So it's just the cost of doing business. And yes. they just keep and doing they it. they know. They know this. They, it's already calculated in the losses, in the net losses, in the wins and gains. They know all this stuff. They know how much people steal from Walmart. Are you kidding me? They have cameras everywhere. Like, they know, you know? They're not going to prosecute each and every one of them. But these are the losses that they take. And how about the people that work for Walmart, for example? You know? How about the people delivering to Walmart? You know, so it's a whole chain. And, and, and all I'm saying is this. Any company can get infiltrated whether they like it or not, you know, uh, but it's, it has to be by sophisticated design, you know, and... Uh, like the DMV. Yeah, exactly. well, that's not... DMV? You D- said the DMV? Yeah, the dead Department of Motor Vehicles. Yeah, they hire any retard, uh, uh, bro. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say DMV. DMV is not a, not a good uh, thing. But I, at I, every I, DMV, you DMV. got somebody working for the mob. I always, yeah, that's what I mean. I always have somebody, well, when I was active. When I was active, I always, I can go to the DMV and take my picture with any name I wanted. How's that? Like, yeah. how you like those apples? And that's scary. And it's extremely scary that you have people of position in, in that power, you know. And uh, as I said, back then, it was like that. We had... We had our own under, underground networks of people. We traveled on uh, names that you never heard of. Uh, we were under the radar. We used to carry portable wealth with us, and we used to take and steal portable wealth, meaning something that we can put in our pockets, right? Mm-hmm. And, and leave the country. So what's better than diamonds? I don't think there's anything better than diamonds. You know, gold is too heavy. Cash is very, very heavy, and it's traceable. Um, but diamonds, diamonds are, are, you know, if you have a, a nice lot of diamonds in your pocket, it's always worth that much, and the prices are regulated, and, and you have portable wealth. So that's one thing that I, I, I was always a fan of portable wealth. Yeah, I would be a fan of it, too, if I had it. Uh, I seem to recall uh, your mom, uh, bless her heart, she's just lovely. My beautiful mother. What a beautiful Uh, mother. My mother was beautiful, too, but yours is pretty hot, man, I got to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've met met Punch's mother. I'm not making this up. She's hot. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I have a a quick story about my mother. Um, She was stopped, a wolf call by an actor, Christopher Walken, and him and I almost got into it because I got in his face really, really hard behind him, Wolf calling my mother. You know, he didn't know it was my mother, but, you know, he was trying to pick up my mother. 
right in front of me, basically. So I didn't. Uh, yeah. When Christopher Walken is trying to pick up your mother. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah, you go, yeah. go get, go for it, Christopher, or you I give know, them. I know, I know. I messed it. I, I messed it up for her. Keeps on telling me, you know, she liked Christopher Walken. So it's just a story that we just have, and I, it's, a, it's a fun story, attached to all the criminal ones. Because if you don't have a sense of humor, you're not going to last long in this business. I'm telling you. Yeah, imagine not. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, you have to have a sense of humor. And now, your mom, mom was coming back from, what was it, pa Panama, with a couple million uh, thousand pounds Venezuela. of... She was coming, Venezuela. Yeah, she was coming uh, back from Venezuela when Venezuela was doing well. <coughs> yeah. And with uh, all that jewelry, yeah. fortune yeah. jewelry. Didn't bother to declare oh, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, th with the contacts. Those are the contacts that we had. Uh, South Tejita, he was doing the Pan Am uh, food uh, everything for the food for Pan Am that, that goes through. He was like the the main guy. He was the he was the big chief in charge for for alcohol and food for the whole entire Pan Am. That's crazy. What That's a, position, a big right? job. Huge job. Huge. I mean, the guy was. Uh, I mean, you should see the gifts that I used to get, and the places where he used to get my father to fly first class everywhere. On the supersonic, uh, remember the yacht that they, I mean, the the French Air yeah, uh, Concorde. Yeah, yeah, three and a half hours to to Europe or something like yeah. that. My father took that a couple of times. You know, back then the tickets were like ten grand or something. It was it was incredible. So we had all these luxurious uh, trips all over the world. These you know, islands of Saint Tropez, Saint Lucia, Saint Thomas, Venezuela, Mexico. And uh, to all these exotic uh, locations that we used to visit after a heist. And so, uh, Stigmini used to hook us up first class, and it would always be my birthday. Going there and coming back, because I would always get a cake and it would sing a happy birthday, and, and he would just tell me, just be quiet, he'd just tell me it's your birthday, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he would teach me, like, the perks, you know, of the game, like, what you have to do to get. You know uh, these perks mm -hmm. when you're flying, and and and, uh, and boy, we would get Dom Perignon and and, uh, and a cake, and it would be like amazing, like such an amazing flight. And we would be visiting, uh, you know, we would go to we would land in Caracas, Venezuela, and at night that looked so spectacular because it was all lit up. The whole entire oh, mountain yeah. was lit up on one side, and and uh, but you wouldn't see that. It was half poor and half rich. Yeah. Uh, well, therein lies yeah. the problem. Anytime you have a big gap like that, it's going to fall apart. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my, my father's connections in Venezuela were political, and he had the guy that that put all the artwork in the White House there, you know, and he was like the curator. Mm -hmm. And his name was Fat Drasco, and unfortunately we lost him also, but he was a huge curator and an art collector and a... His, oh my God, you should see his house. Wow, it looks like a museum. And he was married to a, uh, to a lady, a beautiful lady named Manola. And they moved, they moved to Belgrade. And uh, that's where he died. So I don't know what happened with Manola, but she was strictly from Venezuela. You know, but she learned the language. And uh, so it just goes to show you how international these people are. They can go anywhere, Canada, Venezuela, Belgrade, you know. Anywhere in the world and settle down. If you have money, you can do it anywhere. Yeah, like to say Mid Gelch, you can do anything. 
Yes, yes. Um, I'm sure you're very well aware of that, bro. <laughs> yeah, All, yeah. The world. <laughs> All and, over the world, if you have money, and if you could make it in America, and you live good in America, guess what? In other places, oh, you yeah. could live even better. Even better. Yeah. Well, I saw this yeah. thing on 60 yeah. Midgets or whatever that show is called, 60 Minutes. Please, <laughs> tell me. Where, uh, this is several years ago. I think it was in... Uh, uh, one of these uh, uh, countries like uh, Hungary or uh, Czechoslovakia, you know, after this, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. where you could live there like mm -hmm. a king for like next to nothing. You had young Americans and uh, David Bowie were all going over there. You could yeah. buy a, an entire hotel for $12,000 American. Listen, a lot of people are moving back to the old country on their uh, social security checks that they get after, you know, 67 years old, whatever. They're collecting. And if they get a mere seven, 800 bucks, 900 bucks, do you know how much money that is over there? No, You live, you live very well. You live better. You live better because the money lasts longer. And, uh, it doesn't last things. long here lately, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, you know what? It's expensive. New York, Manhattan, for example, I was just there with uh, with our boy, uh, Layer Cake, right, yeah. Sean? And it was expensive. It was expensive. Thank God he was picking up the tab and everything, you know? But lives in the Hamptons, you know? And he even realizes it, that it's very expensive. It's not, it's not uh, cheap. He has a family, you know, mm -hmm. and a business, and it's not easy going in and, you know, back and forth to the city. It, it costs a lot of money, uh, you know? So I'm sure, I'm sure that... Uh, you know, oh, and also another thing is when I went back to New York City, all these locations, the ones that I was, uh, uh, that I had uh, access to 20 years ago today, uh -huh. are very different. Williamsburg, Brooklyn, two, three, four million dollar apartments. Yeah, totally changed. Um, Bushwick, Brooklyn, heroin capital of the world at one time. Knickerbocker and Troutman. This is Bushwick. This mm -hmm. is oh my God. Today. There's a gallery there, Ethos, Third Ethos. Uh, a lovely friend of ours, Connie, she owns this. But just imagine, you know, everything changed. It gender, gender. Oh, same, th same thing in, in Los Angeles. I went to uh, Cantor's uh, Delicatessen, right? And uh, yeah. uh, what used to be uh, the neighborhood there, everything has right. changed. It's all just super okay. gentrified, yeah, too hip to be square, except yeah, you still yeah, got yeah, Cantor's yeah. in there, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is the only thing. And the kibbutz room. Don't forget the, the kibbutz room. Oh, yeah, I was in the kibbutz room, yeah. Everywhere. I see this happening all through the United States. And, you know, what people, are, they're, they're attracted to the street art. They're attracted to uh, the old art that we had, you know, the, the old street art, the graffiti and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And, and it's the new generation. They're not really buying much, but they're renting the hell out of everything. I'm just letting you know. Mm -hmm. It's a different time that we're living in. And I guess it, you know, like somebody like my father, that, that's why my father moved back, I guess, to the old country, because everything was changing rapidly. The neighborhoods were changing. You know, everything is uh, uh, very, like, jetting, you know. Uh, you know, we have iPads and, you know, these phones and smartphones, and it's just a different world today. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, changed. correct. We changed more than the past 15, 20 years than we did in the past 100, and uh, so on and so forth. So I'm just, I'm just happy that I'm here, and I'm happy that you guys... Accept me as a family member without no radio. And I thank uh, uh, Matt Allen, Magic Matt Allen. And, uh, oh, if you thank Matt him. Allen too much, we'll yeah. just go to his head, you know, and he'll think he's important. No, I, I gotta <laughs> thank him. The guy's a, that, guy's a, that guy's a professional at his job. He is, he is very professional.
Yes, yes. So I, I appreciate you guys, and I thank you for everything that you guys done for me. Because listen, we're making. We're, I told you we we're going to hit the ground running, 2020, and that's exactly what's happening. Uh, not only partnering up with Layer Cake New York, right? Not only that, but not only in the film and documentary, and no, no, not that. I'm talking about even in the art world with a psychedelic robot. And no, uh, I love that psychedelic robot. I hope someone buys your yeah. paintings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, let me tell you something. This stuff, the psychedelic robot, is hitting new ground, and they're getting a permanent space. So I'm going to be able to invite all of you guys there, you know? Lovely. Oh, that would be fun. We'd have a good I know, time. I know. Yeah, it's going worldwide. Like, Russia is going to be in Florida. It's going to be all over the place. And uh, this is. I think that's a positive start for 2020 for us. Yeah, 2020 feels right real good. What is, is there anything in the, in the, the mid-rash <laughs> about 2020? Is there a, anything in the Talmud yeah. about 2020? I don't know, but didn't I tell you it was going to be 2020? You did, you did. This is the year. It didn't matter what, it didn't matter how much funding we had or how many connections and contacts. Poor Howard Lapidus, I wish you could see this, but you know what? I think he's the guiding light mm -hmm. to this, and uh, things are moving and they're going through. So I hope everybody is experiencing this abundance you know, of good things that are going to be happening for well, speaking of good things. And I hope things. we can all share it together. What's that, to Mark? Speaking of good things, when does the yeah, first I mean, volume of I'm Stealing Manhattan right now. Everything. I don't have a script here, Mark. I'm just going off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, what is the next book? What is the first volume of American Panther Stealing Manhattan coming out? Probably sometime in 2020. We're not exactly um, uh, well, sure. Well, I would say, I would say, well, we started, right? So, yeah. 2021, maybe. I would say definitely. Like, something's, you're going to hear something. You know, but if it's before, then yeah. If it's sooner, it's sooner. Works. I don't know. Sometimes they make things work fast, right? And sometimes they take their time. So we, we're going to see where we where we land with this. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you we're landing somewhere. Yeah, well, it could we're be landing in, uh, somewhere. Her I don't know which platform <laughs> or where, but it's going to be something good because we held off for a long time, and we had so many great opportunities with award-winning. Academy Award-winning uh, producers, and uh, you know, and, and Netflix and all that, and it's just you know, it's when it's time to work, it's going to work. It's going to work when it's time, I guess. You know. Hopefully, we got um, we got our. Oh, I'm just grateful. As I told this escort bro. friend of mine, keep your fingers crossed and your legs uncrossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the what's the saying that Howard said? Until you see it. Oh, you'll this. He told me that this is how you know that you have a team when the Netflix deal fell apart at the last minute. After we were told repeatedly, was, yes, 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 we kept waiting for the contracts to arrive. They yeah. didn't arrive. Yeah. They finally said, Where are the contracts? Uh, well, actually, we decided not to send them. So Howard says, Here's how you know when you have a TV series you've made the popcorn. You're sitting on your couch eating the popcorn and the check has cleared the bank and you're watching the show. That's when you know you've got a TV show. That's the biggest jewel you just dropped. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. And everybody in Hollywood needs to hear that. All these young guys in Hollywood that are breaking ground, they need to know this stuff. Because people right. will BS you here big time. Yeah. He used to tell me, it's show business. We're going to show them the business. Yeah, where's the business? They give you the business. You know what Howard Lapidus also used to say, I believe it was quite true, he says, if I were unethical, I'd be a lot more rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Yeah, and he, he, he was telling you, he should have been more unethical later in life. Like, he, he wanted to, you know, 
Well, you realize it's too late, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm glad, he, I'm glad he was ethical. Just before he no, passed no, no, away, strangely you. enough. God, God bless him. Uh, even uh, I was watching, I reminded myself of, uh, of Howard because I was, Tom Green came into Miami and he was sitting next to Ja Rule. And I know who found Tom Green's career, you know, mm -hmm. as we all do. And uh, he was with Gilbert Gottfried and they're doing this big shtick over here in South Florida and everything. And all I was thinking about was Howard. You know, and his words and what he was telling me. And uh, he, Tom Green was so big with that uh, stealing Harvard. Hence, stealing Manhattan. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just, uh, it's just a parody that I always liked mm -hmm. to uh, compare it with. Because when I was telling, uh, who was that, Stuart uh, Benjamin, right? Yeah. Six Academy Awards. Four. Well, Howard yeah. had six Razzies. Yeah, yeah. You know? I got more Razzies than you, you know? got Oscars. Yeah, four Razzies <laughs> against four Academy Awards. Like, that's a perfect parallel for what is supposed to, you know, you, you turn it around on your head. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, as I said, Howard was an epic force. Well, I'll tell you, the, the just prior to his untimely demise, where everyone yeah. thought I was going to be the one who was dead, and it turned out to be him instead, uh, I, I was, was you. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were the one that was going to go. But if I fooled everybody, I'm still here. Uh, I, I come <laughs> into the valley right by his office, right? And then I, yeah. I went all the way back to Santa Clarita, where I live, and I get a phone call from Howard saying, let's have lunch. And I said, I was just by your office. I just got all the way home. He says, I'll come up there. Now, that was very unusual for him to say he's going to come all the way up wow. to Santa Clarita to have lunch. So he, and I said, you got a driver? He says, no, I'll drive myself. He drives all the way up to Santa Clarita. We had about a three-hour lunch. Oh, we, we ate lunch probably in a half hour, and then we spent the next two and a half hours just sitting in his booth, yakking it up. And I remember, uh, and this is actually in the uh, dedications or whatever of uh, Stealing Manhattan yeah. when it eventually comes out, where he says, the crowning achievement of his managerial career is he's proud to have the greatest diamond thieves in history as his clients. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One thing, he was my best manager. He was my favorite manager. He was also the manager not only to me as a once no good criminal that turned his life around, but also to like five other of my partners and criminals from the Pink Panthers and Yaks. Also, the Moth. Uh, by the way, I want to give a shout out to the Moth because he did fantastic with us. And he's the only one left. He's the only one left. We lost Diabolic. We lost Montenegro. Yeah, we but lost, just to clarify uh, for our listening know, audience. No, no, we lost a bunch of guys. The Interpol, guys. Interpol would yeah. say, well, there's 600, yeah. 600 Pink Panthers. Yeah. No, maybe there were six. And how many yeah. are left yeah. alive? Yeah, yeah, there's not many left alive. Those, uh, you know, the, the real ones, you can count them on our hands right now. One so, finger, yeah. Not many left. Uh, but whatever it was, it was a, it was a sensational run, 50 years uh, everything we have, black and white, from arrest to arraignment to sentencing uh, to exit. So we know exactly, like, well, I know exactly what I did in my life. And my, my path is, is documented well. And um, I can honestly say that I never put anyone in jail. I never ratted on anyone. I never told on anyone. I never destroyed anyone's family. I never sat on anyone. I was never a jail snitch. I was never, I never entertained any of this, all those concepts for me to go home the next day, and I could have. Oh, I'm sure that if you would have ratted out your dad, ratted out your mom, uh, and oh, everybody man. else in your crews, you would have, you would have had a book. So many people would have been movies a long time ago. Me, if I did, yeah, and I would have been a, a rich guy because I would have been doing movies because that's what they wanted. And most of these movies, 
And all these documentaries are made and created by those that took the stand and cooperated with the government. Yeah. Still, Manhattan is not going to be that. So I'm just letting you know. It's a different type of animal, and it's, it's an honorable story. I hope it's going to be the first and last honorable story ever, because today you can't do these things that we did back then. And that's what makes the story even more powerful and more sensational, because I, I, I lived it, and I'm here to tell it. I'm, I'm here to tell the story the way I remember it and the way it affected me. And, and I, I just, I just I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm here, that, that I'm here, you know, that I'm alive. Yeah, yeah well, and, it and makes not, it, otherwise we'd be happy this radio on. show through a trance medium. Yeah. Yeah, all I'm saying is that this is something super sensational, and I owe my thanks and gratitude absolutely to Howard and to Bill Bear and to uh, Magic Matt Allen and, yeah. and uh, Mark S.G.G. Mark Boyer and everybody, the whole crew, the whole uh, you know the outlaw. Yeah, we're kind of uh, we're the outlaw crew, all right. Uh, in fact, Stephen yeah. Singular, uh, bless his heart, Stephen Singular, New York Times best-selling yes. author, frequent guest. Uh, I gave him a copy of uh, Stealing Manhattan, which he read uh, the other day. And he wrote a real nice blurb for us that we can use. Wow! And wow. Uh, and he talks about outlaw radio and talks about uh, yes. uh, how we're we're outlaws. Steal your heart. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I can't wait to get to L.A. and I'll and I'll and I'll absolutely stop by if you guys invite me to come there. To the, uh, oh, it'll be fun to have you actually sit here and see the gleaming <laughs> streamline, Greek streamline, state of the art yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I have gifts. I'm going to bring the, I'm going to bring gifts when I come. So just remember oh, that. Okay, especially if it's got pictures of uh, of uh, Alexander Hamilton, if it's got pictures of Ben Franklin, Ulysses S. Grant. I love you guys, <laughs> you guys are the best. Well, what's next? What do you have? What, what else is going on? What else is going on? Uh, gee, we got yeah. some fascinating things that are going on here at the uh, Lighten Up Lounge. I'll tell you, this is one exciting thing after another. Uh, I don't know if you. Uh, Heard the uh, the interview we did with uh, Denny Griffith, you know, uh, writes a lot of those Las Vegas crime books. Ragdoll? Yes, I, I, uh, huh? I, I heard about it, but I didn't get into it. Uh, he's a great guy. Anyway, he's, he's had some, brought us some fascinating stories in the past year. We had that, uh, what was his name, Vinnie Corso? Yes. The, yes. the, the uh, boxer? The boxer, yeah, welterweight. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, champion. That was, that was a, <laughs> if you haven't heard that show, ladies and gentlemen, if you missed that one, uh, go look on uh, iTunes or uh, Anchor FM or wherever you're, or Spotify, cool. and listen to that one. What a, b a bizarre! I mean, I try trying to wrap my head around this. Listen to this. I can't. His father, his father yeah. was an alcoholic, abusive pedophile who used to rape and beat his own son far more than anything you ever experienced. I mean, we're oh talking just beyond the beyond. Not only did yeah. the father do it, he bring his buddies over and they'd gangbang the little kid. Oh, my God, that's so sad. Oh, it is. Now, listen to this. The father tells the kid that he has to become a world champion boxer. That that's yeah. his... Oh, and he's the father who's beating the kid and raping the kid. That's the only way out. Says, the only way out. The only way out is you got to become a world yeah. champion boxer. And oh if you God. don't do that, you're a failure. Oh, my God. So you, when the kid became a world champion boxer, he did exactly what his father said. He became big enough and strong enough. He could beat the crap out of his dad. So his dad stopped beating him up. And then he does become a world champion boxer. He says, the minute wow. I won that championship, I retired right there in the ring. Oh, my God. Because that was his whole driving force to free himself. Of course. I mean, this, is, this is, is such a bizarre story. For him. 
Yeah. What? Do you have this story? Is this your story, bro? Do you this, have it? This is, so we had him on the radio. It's, it's an interview. It's oh, on, on, I'm going to listen to the show. I'm yeah. going to listen to it. I'm going to go back and listen to it. Yeah, it's Vinnie Corso. Oh, man. You see, these type of stories, true crime, things that really happen, you know, people living with this stuff. You know how, look, I don't think it's easy for this guy to talk about Oh, no, he broke down in tears on the show. Yeah. Of course. There's no way. There's no way because I break down for things much less. Yeah. I wasn't sexually abused. Well, almost. I almost got sexually but, you know, thank God I didn't. But I'm just saying that, you know, I was more mentally abused and physically abused. But this, when you throw the sexual um, stuff in that sick people and that's oh my god I I, I feel so bad for him I feel so bad but he's he's uh, the book is called Survivor and uh, I'm check it out it's really it's really an astonishing uh, astonishing Survivor. story then the other one oh my god we had yeah. uh, the crate the the okay. uh, the family's holocaust survivors they survived I've seen that also yeah and they they built this down. cabin or whatever Canada. Right. <laughs> someone murders someone and plants the body in a crate on their property. Oh my God! And here they just, you know, <clears throat> figured they've gone from this uh, the extreme horror of the Holocaust to this yeah. idyllic paradise on earth setting, and then there's a body in a crate there that someone plants. Oh. I mean, just That's, talk yeah. about screwing with your head. You know, the things that people endure and get through is it's, uh, pretty amazing. Well, well, I think that we have the the top stories or the top, uh, you know, the top two crime stories now. Like, look at all these uh, fantastic platforms you have, and they're all different, and they're all written differently, and they're all told by different people, you know. But it all has abuse in it. You see that? It all has some type of abuse and some type of emotional hold mm -hmm. uh, on the children and, and on people. That's that's. Uh, Although there's some that. there's some uh, misconceptions, he said, true to his midwife's training. Uh, when he yeah. did some research, there is the myth, not a myth, but I guess it's called an inaccuracy, of people assuming right. that that uh, uh, people who work in the adult industry or uh, sexual okay. service industry were all abused as children. No, no, not not at all. And that's not true. That's not true. No, not in fact, all. the right. research done in Canada showed that it was actually more people in the general population were sexually abused than yes. the people who work in the sex industry. So Absolutely. Yes, I agree. I agree with this. I, I've seen some studies on that also. Yeah. And I agree. Um, uh, the, psychologi the psychological um, emotions of uh, the first five years mm -hmm. growing up, I think, have a lot to do with everything. Yeah. You know? Also, the first uh, nine months, you guys, a kid doesn't know that he's not, he or she is not still part of the mother until after nine really? months after born, being born? No, I did not know that. Yeah. And that's what you know, if a, if a kid covers his eyes or hides behind the couch, he thinks you're no longer, you can't see him because he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah if oh, I close okay. my eyes, I'm invisible. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can't see me, yeah. <laughs> All right, I see that. All right, I get that. I was always scared of somebody who had a beard. When I was young, when I was a toddler, mm. like uh, that, that somebody came to the door and they had a beard. Yeah, I, I used to hide behind something and pretend like I don't, I don't exist. Well, I saw uh, my relative kid. who I hadn't met before, Sergio Bearer, or Barrera as uh -huh. he pronounces it. Uh, okay. Fascinating guy. Uh, and you should visit his oh, website. Oh, we had lunch him, together yesterday. I spent the afternoon at his house. 
Nice. Wonderful nice. guy. Okay. Great guy. And both of his daughters are actresses. They're on t- both of them are on t- two different TV series, network TV series. Wow. And both the series got canceled. <laughs> However, not their fault. Yeah. Oh, one of them yeah. I just did get a guest shot on uh, 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 Grey's Anatomy. They're like 18, oh, wow. 19 years old or whatever it is. But uh, you know what his gig was? He was the yeah. number one subtitle guy. If you did a movie that was in Spanish and it was yeah. released in America, there were subtitles. He did. Sure. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. He did the subtitles for all the movies. Oh. Great career. Well, there's an art to that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was telling me what, what the art was. It was very complex. It was very interesting. He said, but then when things yeah. went digital instead of film, they didn't have that strip to put the uh, subtitles on to look right. new technology. And the people right. who did that came up with these deals, business deals, for the film yes. studios that basically cut him out. Oh. And so he had to start a... Uh, so he's, he's a music composer, and he does okay. uh, these concertos and stuff, and he gets, uh, you know, uh, funding, and uh, very right. talented, and heck of a nice of guy. he's so a bear. Yeah, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Maverick. All, all of this Maverick's all over the God. West, all of involved in some chancy enterprise. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I wanted to say something. I had a comparison that I forgot to give. What's Whenever that? you compare me, right? Compare me uh, in in the high school uh, as to John Wick, to, to what he is to killing. Oh well, know? that's that's a compliment. Yeah. So the way John Wick is to killing in John in John Wick one, two, and three, mm-hmm. I was like that in stealing diamonds and doing heists. Fast and efficient. And, yeah. So instead of Blade, you remember I used to always say I used to compare myself to Blade. Uh, right. Walker, nice. Because I was born here yeah, in America, while all of my compatriots and all my partners were all born in the former Yugoslavia, uh, Russia, Italy, you know, in Europe, right? Mm. And uh, they didn't have Jesus, you know, because they came here through illegal channels or, or whatever. And uh, if you weren't a legitimate businessman working for Mr. Stan, involved with us for many, many years, then you would just come in and out. You know, mm-hmm. because people used to come here to make money, make their money, and then leave. Yeah. But it wasn't their permanent job. That's why they say maybe there's 600 of us. Mm-hmm. But, you know. But most uh, people who are doing things for the Panthers don't even know who yeah, hired them. But, you know. Yeah, but, but the main guys, you're talking to the main guy. I'm the highest, youngest ranked member of the Yaks. Which, which really so only existed ranked. in the federal imagination. Because they had you guys. Well, yeah. Well, it's the Pink Panthers. It's the Pink yeah. Panthers today. Right, so I'm the only American Pink Panther. I'm the first American Pink Panther. Right, I'm the highest, youngest ranked member of the Yaks, with acronym for Yugoslavian, Albanian, Croatian, Serbian. Yeah, but they had the Yaks robbing Seven Elevens and diamonds all at the same time. No, never, never, never. (laughs) Yaks never robbed Seven Elevens. No, but the feds, the feds did. No, no, that's false. That's false. Of course, it's false. The thing they did do. There's a bunch of. There's a couple Albanians that were robbing like two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars from supermarkets in the Bronx. Yes, that happened. You're absolutely right, because they were going for cash, only for cash, but it, 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 no 7-Eleven. Um, well, you know what? You never know. They might have pulled the safe out of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, what about uh, your buddy Turbo, who was, uh, stole millions from yeah, the ATMs? Was, yeah, ATM, ATM guy, yeah. This guy used to pull out every ATM for the bank, would hold two, $300,000 in cash, the cassettes. You know, there's these cassettes that they put in the, in the back, and that's how they load them up. But what we do, I would open up the back and just pull everything out, you know, because it's like a safe from the back, and then I'll just open them, hmm. you know? Uh, but those, uh, the bank ones would hold up to half a million dollars sometimes. Half a million. That's a, that's a sizable chunk of change. 
Well, that's yeah, because they have, you have those two, three ATM machines, uh, uh, two, three ATM machines that are inside the bank. You have to go inside the bank. Yeah. The ones that are inside. Yeah, those are the ones that hold the big money, the 24 hour yeah. uh, ATMs. Yeah, yeah. 40 and they have like, you know, two, what's three, that, what's that? Hold on. What's that, Mark Boyer? What? Uh, 40 grand. Yeah. How much? The little ones. The little ones hold forty grand. Right. I'm talking about back in the day. Back in the day, this is what they, they were they were holding because I personally pulled out three hundred thousand dollars from from. Uh, well, from there's a, speaking of idiots of the earth, there are these guys who stole a uh, uh, an ATM. The little, ones, the little ones have thirty thousand, you know, twenty, thirty thousand, forty thousand. They wrapped a chain or something around it. And they dragged it behind their vehicle. All the way home. Yeah. All you had to do was follow the groove marks and the asphalt to their there, garage. There's so many, there's so many <laughs> crazy robbers so, uh, and there people that want to rob and get yokels. a quick buck. There are another know, group of yokels. Most of the guys that do this, it's their first time doing it. And their last. Professional. <laughs> okay, what was it? Mark Boyer had something. What is it, Mark? There yeah, was um, um, a couple of guys that got the bright idea over a holiday weekend to uh -huh. rip the ATM out of the wall of the bank. Yeah. So they got their big pickup truck and they they Ooh. hooked up the chains, drilled it all out, hooked it all up and was going to drive away and rip it out of the wall, but instead all it did was rip the bumper off their truck. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and they panicked. And it's on video too, it's on tape. Yeah, 100% yeah. it's on tape. They got this on tape. No, no, there was no, no video surveillance. They just left. Oh, no. They oh, they God. they freaked. And, and panicked oh, yeah. and went home. And when the police showed up, they couldn't figure out how they knew. <laughs> yeah, well, well these. Did yeah, they, they know. Did the plate on the bumper? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was walking down Palm Canyon Boulevard, and there's a jewelry store on the jewelry store on the corner. There's Yeah, I know. Oh my God. Jewelry store on the corner. I'm walking yeah, by the jewelry be... store. These guys robbed the jewelry store. They come out with the bags of jewelry and the guns in their hands, and they jump in their car, which happened to be right in front of mine, as I'm getting in front of my car. I'm mean, getting in my car. Oh my and this uh -huh. is rush hour traffic on Palm Canyon Boulevard, which oh means they're making their getaway at about 3.5 miles per hour, bumper to bumper. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> not going anywhere. And so the, what the cops wind up doing is they followed him with a helicopter all the way to Los Angeles, let them get all the way there, park their car, take the, the jewels inside, then they get Hello. 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 Law enforcement. Land shark. Yeah, we video. Yeah, we followed you here with the police helicopter. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the best ATM scam uh, that I'm aware of, uh, the, this, this uh, crew managed to steal mm -hmm. the freestanding ATMs. Okay. And they stole sure. four of these puppies yeah. and disappeared. Yeah. They disappeared. And, you know, whatever yeah. was in them, 15, they, 20 grand, whatever was like in them. They like 30, 40 grand a piece if they're full. Yeah. Right, okay. But what they did is they took these things somewhere safe, uh, figured out how to break into them safely, figured out how to change the programming of mm. the ATM, because it's basically a computer. And then they went to other states, and they would go to large malls and plop one of these suckers in, a, wow, un, dude, in dude. Hang on, an inconspicuous yeah. area, sure. plug the sucker in, and, they, and people would go to the ATM to get money, and the ATM would say, I'm sorry, sir. You're out of order or whatever. 
I'm sorry, right. sir, but uh, you know we don't have any more cash. And then they would leave it there for three weeks or so, come and get the ATM because it was broken. <laughs> and now they had hundreds of ATMs and credit cards. cards. Pin numbers, everything. Yeah, sure. Everything. <laughs> then they would move yeah. these things around the yeah. Midwest. Smart. Smart. And after four yeah. years, they couldn't catch these schmucks. Wow. They stole thousands of ATM cards, made off with millions, and disappeared. Of course. Nobody knows who they are or where they went. But what wow. they did is they found the ATMs in an abandoned okay. warehouse. That's an absolutely astounding story. Yeah, that's a good one. That's an excellent one. Excellent. I like that <laughs> Hey, one. we got to go. Punch, thank you. Thank you very thank you much. Thank you very much, Punch. Looking forward to seeing you. Looking forward to seeing you, indeed. Hey, Mark, ask me a question. I hate Burl. Yeah. What the hell is next? Magic Red Allen on the Deep of Decades live in the Light of Lounge on Owl Radio Live. Dot com. Dot com.